This is Roberta Foster, and welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word. And today I welcome Eric Raymond to Author's Corner. He's written the book, He Is Not Ashamed, The Staggering Love of Christ for His People, and it's published by Crossway. He'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program, a little bit about Eric He is the senior pastor at Redeemer Fellowship Church in Watertown, Massachusetts. He's the author of another book called Chasing Contentment, Trusting God in a Disconnected Age. He's also a frequent contributor to many websites and periodicals and blogs regularly at Ordinary Pastor, hosted by the Gospel Coalition. Eric, thank you so much for being with us on KNEO. Thank you, Roberta. It's good to be with you. And so what is it about um, God's love uh, that you were inspired to write, He is Not Ashamed? Yeah, I think, um, you know, chiefly behind it was just when I became a Christian about 25 years ago now, uh, I remember kind of waking up the next day and just thinking, like, was that all a dream? You know, what I was so excited about yesterday, is it true? And it just thinking, you know, how would God accept me and welcome me to be part of his family? And uh, I just remember going to the Bible and opening it up and reading it and just being astounded by his promises of mm-hmm. forgiveness of sins and welcoming to be part of the family. And uh, one of those passages is in Hebrews 2 that says he's not ashamed to call his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in that passage, he's not he doesn't say, like, I'm not ashamed to call you worshipers or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, slaves or something like that, but in those are fine terms, but he's saying, I'm not ashamed to call you brothers, like part of my family. And so I just think from the very first day of becoming a Christian until even today, trying to just continue to, to, to exalt in Christ's love, it's something you never really get over. And when it starts to grip you, I think um, you just want to tell other people about it, but I think as Christians, we can sometimes forget about it too. So I just wanted to write the book to help remind people to look through Jesus's eyes and see his love for his people. Well, and you mentioned that as we mature in our faith and go along and become more knowledgeable even about the theology of of God, that it is sometimes easy to forget just how wonderful it is to be forgiven. Um, How how do we not do that? Yeah, I think I think the key to it is you know you reg- you got to regularly read the Bible yeah. and come to face to face with Jesus, um, and just you know I was just reading yesterday with some some friends you know in Mark ten where Jesus says you got to be like a child to come to me and and it it's just such a good reminder that you come to Jesus and He has everything you can't give Him anything and mm-hmm. He knows the baggage you have and he welcomes you to be part of his family, and he accepts you like that. So I, I just think reading the Bible over and over again, being part of a church where people, where the Word of God's preached, and people are trying to, to be faithful disciples and encourage each other, so critical. So just uh, doing those ordinary things, mm-hmm. but that have uh, extraordinary results over time. And definitely when you pick up the scripture, you can't get past the fact of God's forgiveness for those that mm-hmm. that repent and turn to him. But we also sometimes struggle even believing how it's possible for God to even love us. Uh, what would you say to somebody that struggles with that issue? Yeah, I think, I think that's a big, a 
problem, a big issue that, that a lot of Christians face, and even non-Christians look at it and think, how, how could God love mm-hmm. me? Um, and and I think you, you, one of the things you, the, you have to think about is the reality of the incarnation, that Jesus became a man. Um, and so why did he do that? He came down here not because God needed anything. He was mm-hmm. self-sufficient. He has everything. But he came here to rescue people. And the Bible clearly tells us that it was motivated by love. Like God loved the world. So God so loved the world, he sent his only son. He gave his only son. Um, so the, the motivation behind Jesus coming was love. And that's important because, like Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the, the motivation to come and the motivation to die was for, for sinners. Mm-hmm. And so he, it's just important to remember, he doesn't love just just some future version of you when you get everything straight mm-hmm. and get your life cleaned up and get all your theology in line and stop being like you are right now. He loves you the way you are, the way you are not to affirm sin, but he loves you before you you even born. He mm-hmm. loves you in time on the cross, and then He loves you now, and He's going to love you through eternity. And so I think just looking at the Incarnation and seeing what motivated it, and why did why did He do it, and why did He stick with us, it's love. And that's something that when you press on that and then start looking at the stories of Jesus and how He interacts with people, it's really revolutionary. Well, and it's very encouraging, isn't it, that um, the Bible includes stories of people that are maybe less than, well, obviously less than perfect, but people mm-hmm. that have really disappointed mankind or God in certain ways, and yet he includes them in very important um, uh, genealogies of, of the Savior. Um, tell us uh, how important it is to read about Tamar and Ruth, two totally different uh, Bible yeah. segments, but they both bring such impact into our awareness of how much God loves us. Yeah, I think if I was, you know, just if we're being honest, we probably would, if we were the editors of the Bible, we'd right. probably say, maybe, maybe these stories are not the ones. I mean, even when I like talk about these chapters and the book, like, I see people cringe, you know, like, oh, this is not the, the most comfortable discussion. But, you know, Tema, you know, she shows up in that genealogy because she was, uh, you know, Judah's uh, daughter-in-law, and, you know, both of her husbands put to death because they were wicked men. And, of course, um, when she basically outsmarts him, to, Judah to become pregnant by him, but that's it's, it's ends up being this very strange relationship, but then they have mm-hmm. twins, and that's the line where the Savior comes through. Yeah, and it's like, oh my goodness, with with Tamar, it's just like, how did this how did this happen? But it's what God uses. He uses these embarrassing stories. His hands not tied, so he can't use things for his mm-hmm. glory and for his people's good. And so he does that with Tamar. And then you get somebody like Ruth, who is you know she's a Moabitess, and according to the Old Testament, Moabitess people are separated from God mm-hmm. and not to be associated with. And they have that horrible story uh, of their origin from Lot's cave where, you know, not dissimilar to the Judah Tamar thing, but where basically Lot's daughters get him drunk after the Sodom and Gomorrah thing to have children with him. So, I mean, that's where the Moabites come from. So this horrible beginning, very vile practice of pagan idolatry. And then here comes Ruth, and Ruth then gets brought in to be welcomed into the family who's going to be the grandmother of King David, who's mm-hmm. ultimately pointing forward to Jesus. So you have names like Tamar and Ruth showing up, showing up in the genealogy, 
And I think what what one of the devices that you know Matthew and Luke are doing when they name these surprising people is to show us that Jesus not only comes for sinful people, but he comes from them. So he has an identity and a connection with these people that are not, you know, they're not the morally upstanding mm-hmm. all-stars of the Old Testament. They're people <laughs> with baggage. So that people like us who have baggage mm-hmm. can relate and understand that, that Jesus doesn't blush when he looks at sinners. In fact, he's drawn to us to save us and, and sanctify us. Amen. So there's more to talk about with Eric Raymond regarding his book, He Is Not Ashamed, The Staggering Love of Christ for His People, and it's published by Crossway. You are listening to Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster. Well, in your book, you use Hebrews 2.11 about the phrase, He is not ashamed to call them brothers, and uh, explore that a little further with us. Yeah, I think um, you know some of the things that the writer of Hebrews is trying to do, like he's, you know, that in chapter one he's showing that Jesus is this great king who's above the angels, above David, above all kings. But then in chapter two he, he zeroes in and shows that he's actually like us mm-hmm. in the sense that he was made made like us as a man. So he takes on flesh and blood, and he has this union with us. So he's this great high king who's at the same time comes to identify with us. And he's trying to show us that he's not ashamed of us. Uh, um, he's not ashamed to, to call us brothers, to, be, to welcome us to be part of his family. And that then is, to, I think, to fuel the way we look at Christ and understand how he looks at us. And I think that's what one of the things that the Bible does so beautifully is it causes us to see Jesus in a way that God wants us to see him. And then also the other side is to look at it through his eyes to see how he sees us. And um, not to project how we might think he should see us or how other people see us, but how Jesus does. And if you have that acceptance with God through Jesus and that love through Christ, that should really affect how we see and how we approach every day and how we interact with people. So that that's why I think we're in chapter 2 is, is helping us to see in Hebrews that we have this great relationship with the King of Kings um, by virtue of his incarnation and his death for us. And we should just be so filled with joy and delight and gratitude for that. Well, as I look at your table of contents, um, you have it broken out uh, to really reach out to people that might be struggling with specific things. Um, but I'm just going to read these titles and then we'll pick one for you to um go on about a little further, but they all start with, he is not ashamed of those with embarrassing stories, which we've talked about with Tamar. Uh, He's not ashamed of those who opposed him, of those who are overlooked, of those who were far from God, of those who have nothing, of those who are weak, and of those who still sin. And so, you know, it's beautifully broken out so a person can pick up the book and jump right to a section that they may be personally struggling with. Um, Were any one of these uh, chapters kind of an eye-opener for you personally or for um, something that you really were interested in studying? They all kind of come out of first-hand experience of just grappling with, you know, personal weakness or personal struggles, and then looking at the Bible and seeing that this is not isolated to, to one experience. So uh, I think all of them, um, you know, what, just as you were reading the list, the one that just kind of 
was was bright in my mind was the the one those who were overlooked mm. and in that chapter just exploring you know just the types of people that get attention mm-hmm. um, that that Ghana you know clicks or likes or retweets or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say just the things that people are drawn to in our world today uh, were not the types of people necessarily that Jesus was drawn to and that was very mm-hmm. surprising so in the chapter I mean obviously cultural context is important but some of the people that were often overlooked were those that were, were seen not to be able to give people things, um, mm-hmm. value in the society. So in that first century society, like people, especially children, children were, were often disregarded, and you see them not mm-hmm. with a high priority. Women also were looked down upon in lots of ways, and some uh, people with disabilities um, that would be marginalized. And yet, at every turn through the gospel narratives, we see the stories just filled with children and women, and mm-hmm. Jesus had so many um, female workers and helpers that were part of his ministry team, and he was regularly talking with and evangelizing, interacting with uh, ladies. Uh, it's just remarkable. I mean, I'll say the first witnesses of the resurrection, mm-hmm. um, which was intentional to make a point. And then those who were handicapped, and it wasn't just to show the power of the, uh, of the, of the king that he can heal people. I was also making the point that Jesus is drawn to people, whether we're talking about lepers or we're talking about blind Bartimaeus or somebody with a withered hand, like it's mm-hmm. all over the place. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's just striking to see uh, the types of people that Jesus is drawn to in contrast to the types of people that many people in the 21st century are drawn to. And I think that's good because we we are the type of people that just walk down the street and nobody notices us mm-hmm. and we're overlooked. And, and to know that there, there, there's actually the eye of the King of Kings. Wow. drawn to people like us. Yeah. Right? That's, a, that's really compelling. Uh, it's humbling, and it's something that we shouldn't forget. Mm. Well, we have run out of time, so let me remind you that I've been talking with Eric Raymond, who wrote the book, He Is Not Ashamed, The Staggering Love of Christ for His People. So, Eric, how can people find out more about this book and any others that you've written? Yeah, I think probably the easiest place for most people to go is just to Amazon. Um, the, the books there, He's Not Ashamed, and other books that I've been able to write are on there as well uh, under my name, and uh, that, would be, that would be great. Really appreciate it. So one more time, the book today, He Is Not Ashamed, written by Eric Raymond, and we do thank Crossway for providing a copy of the book to talk about today. And Eric, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is Roberta Foster on The Author's Corner. And if you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For 60 years, Crowder College has been empowering students to soar to new heights. From agriculture to education, to business, sports, and the newest technologies, Crowder always has something interesting going on. I'm Adam Winkler of KNEO Radio. Join me each week as I talk to a different person from Crowder College about what's been happening and what's coming up next. It's the insider's guide to all things Crowder. Subscribe today to the This Week in Crowder College podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network.